Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I'm David Chen, and I'm here to kick off Decoding TV's coverage of Succession. In particular, Decoding TV is going to be covering Succession Season 4, and I am really excited to be covering it. Here with my latest co-host on Decoding TV, you have heard us recap, review, and discuss House of the Dragon over on A Cast of Kings. Uh, you have seen her reporting over at Insider.com. Kim Renfro, welcome back to the Decoding TV Network. It's great to have you here today. I'm so excited. This is like the ideal follow-up to me from <laughs> House of the Dragon. There's there's so many. We'll get into it. But I'm just really stoked to be back in the world of like intense HBO prestige drama with a lot of family trauma. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I'm. We're so thrilled to have Kim Renfro back here. Uh, obviously, uh, I was such a huge fan of the Game of Thrones uh, House of the Dragon podcast we put together over on a Cast of Kings feed. And so thrilled to have Kim here on the Decoding TV feed, where we will be delivering um, uh, earlier access to episodes and ad-free episodes if you're a paid supporter at DecodingTV.com. And of course, you'll get our recaps on the free feed as usual um, throughout the course of the week. But Kim Renfro... My question for you is, when I ask you if you'd want to join me to recap Succession, why did you say yes? Other than that you're working with one of the best podcasters of the game, of course. I mean, it's more like I would have to struggle to come up with a no reason, <laughs> David Chen. Come on. Uh, I love podcasting with you, but also I love Succession. And it is, given that it's the fourth and final season, like obviously now's the time for me to be able to get all of my feelings and thoughts and loves about succession out into the world. Cause it's just one of those shows where like due to various timing or just like not sure where I might weigh in, I haven't like written or covered or talked much with like the general public and gotten into the zeitgeist with succession as much yet. So I'm super stoked to finally be able to verbalize all the things I love about it. I've been rewatching it during the pandemic. Um, yeah, I think it's just it's it's a really it's a it's one of those really meaty character dramas um that just swept me up and now I'm so stoked to see how they figure out how to wrap up what has been one of my favorite new dramas of late to have been able to watch. Yeah, uh I think there's so many things I love about the show. Um I would say to begin with obviously the writing is really strong. Jesse Armstrong uh I, I've been a big fan of this person for a very long time. I watched every episode of Peep Show, huge fan of that. Um, and he just has a way with words. He knows how to craft a really biting one-liner, a really biting comeback. Um, great. And like a lot of name calling happens in <laughs> succession, very uh, Veep-esque. Uh, and I believe the two of them, Jesse Armstrong and Armando Inichi, have collaborated in the past. So um, the the use of language is just really riveting to to watch in succession um the other thing uh that i like about the show is obviously it gives us a, a glimpse into the lives of the ultra rich and uh reaffirms something we all suspected which is that they're miserable you know like you don't you don't actually need all that money because if you got it you would still be sad and that's that's really what all of us poors want to hear right like indeed um that money would not solve your problems and uh and I like that that is uh I, I think at the core of uh one of the things that the show has to say 
Um, yeah. It also has a really, really good, exactly to your point about Jesse Armstrong's ability to to craft um, not only one-liners, but like a very, very precarious line between like uh, <laughs> tragedy and comedy. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Is they I, it just succession really nails that in a way that I appreciate and especially about an industry that I like all of the different things that make up Waystar Royco like the amusement parks the digital media news arm the television ad like all of these things are tangential to my own life and my own professional experiences too and I think that the show just does an incredible job of nailing a lot of like what I would have assumed were hyper-specific references or things about media or things about the way that people are engaging with media or PR people or celebrities in a way that is just so spot on. So I'm so excited to get to dig more into that. Yeah, and it's a show that, in my opinion, makes you weirdly root for people who are reprehensible, you know, which I think is mm. is a strength of the show. If it can make you care for and root for people who are like, awful you know then it's like oh well they're clearly doing something right to get you invested but you you mentioned the familial drama and i think that's obviously also a critical part of it it's like what happens when there's a really weird family where everyone is a very distinctive personality and they get caught in this high stakes power struggle um so there's so many things about the show that i love uh, and what we're going to do here today on this episode of the podcast is we're going to talk about uh, where we left off with the characters in season three. Uh, and then we're going to talk about kind of what our hopes are for season four and uh, what we like the characters we most want to see some resolution for the plots. We most want to see resolution for what Jesse Armstrong has said about season four. Um, I don't think we're going to give away any spoilers. Like it's our policy to not spoil any future episodes, um, but there is going to be a lot of rampant speculation. So uh, you can look forward to that. So uh, so that is the plan for today. Now, before we even get to season three, Kim, I just want to say that I thought seasons one and two of Succession were like masterpiece material, like uh, all timers. I think I've watched the entire season one and two through probably four or five times in its entirety, like every episode. Love that. Like, virtually every episode is a <laughs> banger in that mm-hmm. in that set of episodes, right? So like... Uh, I was just so taken with it, particularly like the plight of Kendall Roy. Like that's mm-hmm. what drove me through the first two seasons of the show. Um, and season three, I thought was strong. Um, there were several episodes in season three that were awesome, but overall I, I do have to admit, I was starting to feel kind of some repetition in season three of like, how many times can we watch Kendall Roy metaphorically try to kill his dad <laughs> yeah like, like how many times is this like oh he wants to be in charge and he's gonna keep trying to be in charge you know the the arc of kendall from season one to season two was so awesome of like yeah he tried to go up against his dad he failed he then ended up committing a horrible like being involved in a horrible tragedy then he was like subjugated by his dad and like and it was what was so weird about it was like kendall roy became like his best self when he was like his most efficient, mm. effective self when he was working under the thumb of his his dad in in a way that I thought was just really like upsetting. You know, it was like um to pull out a Game of Thrones reference. It's like uh, 
Reek. Uh, Reek, right. Ramsey Bolton and Reek. Uh-huh. And like, Reek is like weirdly more effectual when he's like, when he occupies a place in life that makes more sense for his personality. Uh, and then, you know, for mm. so then, so that was all incredible and beautifully done. And then for Kendall to come back, you know, in, at the beginning of season three, pretty cool. But again, felt like a lot of the same dynamics are being repeated. That said, there are some all-time great episodes in season three. But th- that's kind of my thoughts on seasons one through three. And I guess I'm curious, like, if you had any thoughts on like, the arc of a show until this point. Yeah, I definitely feel you on that front of there were points in season three where I started being like, it's it's starting to get <laughs> too difficult to watch everything go awry mm-hmm. in such a similar way, right? Mm-hmm. right? Where it's yeah. like, there's... There's a lot of repetition of how close are we to a deal? What's the thing that messes up the deal right away? Okay, how do we pivot? How does that pivot now suddenly get interrupted? Um, But for me, I think I was really... I, I feel like season two finale, right? Like the cliffhanger of like, oh, Kendall finally... You know, it's it's Theon escaping Ramsey. Like he yeah. got he got out the castle walls. Like this yeah. is so exciting. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was tough. It was tough to see. I think in the earlier episodes how fractured everything still was. But then those like final three episodes in a row like really sucked me right back in. I think because we got a little bit more satisfaction out of the siblings finally finally having some catharsis together yeah the siblings at the end of episode we'll talk about this a little bit more in detail but yeah they were united and obviously the tragedy is that like when they're finally brought together for the first time in forever they're foiled right like that's that's the ultimate tragedy of season three yeah Um, but i was i was kept afloat a little more than it maybe sounds like to you because i felt a lot of emotional satisfaction in that payoff that I think we needed. I, I mm-hmm. felt like I I needed to see them try and fail a couple more times for mm-hmm. it to be as satisfying as it was when all of the pieces fell into place. And yes, the rug got pulled out from under them at the last second, but I was still like, go guys. <laughs> You're- you you go get your abusive father. <laughs> Kim Kim is Kim is rooting for the younger slightly less reprehensible Roy's to take mm-hmm. down older Roy it sounds like right Kim yeah um but yeah I, I think like one of the issues of, of the whole show can be encapsulated when I think in season three uh Logan Roy says hey maybe we should take another look at Pierce the company they tried to acquire in season two and Siobhan says something like wait we're doing that again like it was almost like a meta moment of the character like the actor saying, wait, we're going back to that plot line? Like, we already did that plot line, you know? I was like, oh, wow. It's like, they really feel like they might be running out of ideas here. So, uh, but that said, yeah, there's some, like, finale is an all-timer. I think episode five of season three is incredible. Like, I think episode five of season three kind of sums up our society in many ways, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the one with the shareholder meeting, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But yeah. So let's talk about where we left off with the characters, okay? Where we left off with each character at the end of season three. If you'll recall, initially Waystar Royco was going to acquire a company named Gojo. And the way this was framed in the show is it was a merger between a tech company and a content company. Like Waystar Royco had awesome content, terrible tech. Mm -hmm. Gojo had awesome tech, terrible content. Now, 
I, I, I tried to think of like what the closest analogy for this might be in like the modern world. And the, the closest one I could think of was um, AT&T acquiring Warner Brothers, which was famously one of the most disastrous mergers in corporate history. Uh, and the idea was like AT&T is like, we're a tech company. We run, have cell phones and we need your content. And somehow we're going to synergize and it's going to work well together. You know? Yeah. Um, another recent analogy of a big acquisition like this would be Disney and Fox. Um, Disney acquired Fox for the content. Uh, but, and obviously like Logan Roy inspired by many people, but like clearly a Rupert Murdoch analog in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of Disney like boardroom references, I believe. Yeah. Well, have like um, snuck in there from time to time. Right. Of like, as well as uh, like, I think the biggest one that snuck in in season three was like Sumner Redstone and Sherry Redstone. That, relationship is very similar to the Sandy's relationship in the show, I think. Um, So there's like all these analogs to what's going on in real life. Um, I I think that Waystar Royco was actually like explicitly positioned as an HBO or Warner brothers analog because at, uh, you know, earlier on in season three, they're talking about using the star go app. The mm. Star Go app, which is <laughs> totally the, for HBO well, Go. Yeah. yeah, it's HBO Go. Like no other company had a Go app, other or like a video streaming app called H. Unless it was you know, um, yeah, but yeah. HBO Go ha- had a thing, and um, and it was not like the greatest user experience. Uh, and so there is a scene where Roman pisses on it, literally. Um, <sighs> so anyway, after initially being okay, <laughs> after initially being okay with the deal, the CEO of Gojo. Uh, Matheson, played by uh, Scar... Uh, what's his name? Which one? Which Skarsgård is it? It's Alexander. Alexander, right? <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah. Played by Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, he seems initially open to being acquired by Waystar Royco, but then he makes some moves to back out of the deal, and then it becomes clear he doesn't want it to be uh, an acquisition of Gojo. He wants it to be uh, much closer to like a merger of equals in which he, Matheson, is in charge of the entire company. Um, Logan agrees to this, uh, and this would theoretically leave his kids in a challenging situation with a new CEO. Uh, and that's what the final episode of season three walks us through is Logan's trying to sell his company to Matheson. Uh, and the three kids finally reunite and they say they don't want that to happen. And they're going to try to, uh, try to stop the deal from happening. Um, but at the very last minute, we learn that uh, Logan has negotiated with his ex-wife to uh, change some details of the divorce arrangement. And so basically the kids don't have the power they thought they have. And Logan can still um, Logan can still make the deal. So that's kind of what ends up happening is the kids, they're like, we're going to take down dad. They go up against them. They fail horribly. It's painful for everyone involved. Of course, there's a few more details in there that I haven't mentioned, right? Uh one of them is that uh, Roman, throughout season three, it has actually gotten into his dad's good graces. He's actually, in my opinion, like shown himself to be competent and started delivering, and like seems like he's in on the in, almost in the inner circle with his dad. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a very heartbreaking moment when Logan in the final episode says, "Hey, don't listen to these guys, Roman. Like, come with me." And Roman declines uh and then basically betrays his father and 
it's uh it's really excruciating yeah it doesn't um, load yeah. it like they're like all trying to kind of like get a barb in at logan in the big final confrontation and logan kind of turns to roman and is like and what do you have like what are you gonna try and like convince me with and roman's just like uh love, love? <laughs> and you're love? like and he's like you came in here like trying to betray me and now you're speaking of love you know like uh, uh it, it's 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 a brutal scene of course yeah. like there's some things i think like my perception that are really realistic in succession. And there's some things that are a little bit less realistic that you kind of got to gloss over. Like one of the realistic elements, I think in this, the final, this last season was like how quickly the Gojo deal came together from everything I have read and understand. That is a very normal time frame for a deal of this size. Like you would think, Oh, it must take months, but no, it's like, it comes together super, super quick. Sometimes Um, what was, did feel a little bit hand wavy to me is like, that oh there's they need a super majority to do the thing and then tom betrays his wife uh and is able to like warn logan who then negotiates with his ex-wife to like get the super majority clause removed or whatever that taking place in such a short period of time feels a little bit implausible to me like you know i i, I don't know about that part but i, I i'm ta- taking the show on its own terms i understand what the show is trying to say which is Tom betrayed Shiv in one of the biggest moves of the entire season. When you realized this was happening, Kim, what was your reaction? I felt a little proud of Tom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he it was a it was a rough season for Tom for sure between the like being singled out as like we're sending you to prison and then just like no one really wanted to hear him talk about how difficult that was of like thinking that his whole life was going to be upended any day well and like particularly his wife didn't want to hear about it right and she then, didn't want to hear about it and then like their little horrible dirty sex talk which is her just basically saying the truth at his face you know yeah as if it's like a kink shame thing but instead Mm -hmm. she's just being like i don't love you i'm married beneath my station aren't we having fun now honey are we having fun yet you know yeah and like the 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 kid egg freezing conversations were also like just making me want to die inside so it was i feel like proud might be the right right or wrong word i don't know but it was more like oh tom's finally changing the terms of this Mm -hmm. as opposed to what it felt like they had been doing literally ever since their wedding night which was like dancing around the fact that they're both miserable (laughs) and doing this for both ulterior reasons and also maybe some sort of affection reasons but it was just nice to see tom like actually take a swing um and do it in a way that caught everyone off guard because like I don't know. I was getting to the point where I was like, I no longer expect any great moves from you, Tom. You just Mm -hmm. seem to like ping pong between getting kicked like a dog between your wife and your father-in-law. I mean, it's a great sequence with him and Greg where he kind Mm. of makes the pitch to Greg and he says, "Um, you'd be heading away from the endless middle towards the bottom of the top if you come with me. (laughs) And you think... You think that Tom is there to say, like, hey, if you betray Logan with me. But he's actually there to say, if you betray Shiv with me. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a deal with the devil. And and uh, 
and it's great to it's a really rewarding experience to like watch the episode and then rewatch that scene again, like with a different context, you know? Totally. Um, and then of course there's the final sequence of the episode where like, uh, Tom enters this, the room and, uh, you know, I love like all the three kids feel like they've been betrayed by everyone. Roman has been betrayed by Jerry, Jerry you know? Oh, that was also so hard to watch him. Like, yeah look to her to be like mom yeah <laughs> save me mommy no, please mom. huh? um and then you know shiv has been betrayed by you know her mom and then she later finds out her husband tom walks in the room and he's like hey what's going on and then you can tell she's trying to like maintain her composure in front of him um and then he kind of like touches her on her shoulder and then she kind of winces a little bit you, you yeah. see her wince and then it's like, that's the end of the series. That's the end of the season. That was it. And it was like, wow, what an amazing place to end of this. Uh, like to end on this betrayal, you know, it's just an incredible moment. And yeah, you, you'd seen this guy get pushed to his limit and he discovered what his limit was. It's a really compelling and heartbreaking thing to watch. Yeah. So, uh, where did we leave Connor and Willa at this point in time, Kim? Uh, having been freshly and very cringily engaged at a different wedding, right? He proposed to her. <laughs> he proposed in the middle of another wedding, which is just oh, well, it wasn't it? Let's let's be it wasn't etiquette. in the middle Sorry. of the wedding itself. It the was wedding the, weekend. Yeah, the wedding weekend. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yeah. So Connor and Willa are reluctantly engaged it seems it looks yeah, like Willa... after after wearing her down she says fuck it you know let's do it and then proceeds to drink heavily afterwards uh, yeah to kind of dull the pain but and he still has his presidential run happening so they kind of my my understanding was like they left it with like it seems like the roys have finessed who the actual republican player in this presidential race is but mm-hmm. connor is still kind of trying to be like hey dad what about me Um, I can do it too, pops type of vibe. Well, and you know, uh, he's kind of made out to be a laughingstock for very good reason. Uh, because he was like, he's polling close to 1% or whatever it was we heard earlier in the season. But like, I, that's actually really compelling to me because, you know, in 2016, we were, probably around 70 to a hundred thousand human decisions away from having a different president for four years, you know, yeah, which is a like, different electoral college, like, uh, yeah, down, exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like 1% is actually like, um, I actually think that is like not an insubstantial amount in our current political environment. So, uh, but yeah, so he, they're engaged to be married and he still wants to run for president. We'll see what comes of either of those things. If I had to just wildly speculate, Kim, uh, I think season four is probably going to end with a Connor Willow wedding is my, cause like every mm. season has kind of ended like season one ended with a wedding yep. season three ended with a wedding. And so my guess is season four might also end with a wedding. Um, weddings are just really great consequential things that happen where a lot of people converge in one location. So it makes sense to like, but yeah, so I'm just putting out a guess like episode. I don't know how many episodes will be in the new season, but like one of the last two to three episodes I'm guessing we're getting a Connor Willa wedding. I'm calling it right now. So yeah, like that's um, going to be the big climactic event. Yeah, for yeah. everything. It's my guess. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe it's going to be episode two, and it'll be like 
Why am I listening to Decoding TV podcast? Um, They're going to pull a Battle of Winterfell on us. (laughs) 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 But it's the Will and Connor wedding. Yes. Episode three. Uh, What else uh, do we want to discuss? I mean, I guess uh, Matson is still in play. He's still a wild card. Um, We have no idea kind of what the result... Like, we... We we suspect that Logan has agreed to Matson's terms, so Matson's probably going to run whatever resulting entity occurs uh, after the events of season three. But we don't know how that's going to play out yet. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of most of our main characters. Anyone else you want to mention? I would say just in terms of Kendall specifically, yeah. I feel tell, like tell me this, about Kendall. I feel like season three was <clears throat> with Kendall. I think that like season three was he was either going to die by suicide or accident, it seemed like, or finally get the help that he needs is sort of how I was feeling the whole time to the point that I thought in that, uh, the episode that ends with like the cliffhanger of him falling asleep face down in a pool. I spent like a week just seriously, like coming to terms with the fact that like sweet, sad baby boy, Kendall just drowned in a pool in front of me. Cause I was like, that seems like, you know, the next step here. So I think in the finale, what was really big for him was like, he finally was able to actually tell Shiv and Roman what had been weighing on him this whole yeah. time and what was hanging over his head. And this thing that was, I think making it very hard for him to move on in his life, which was that he thought that like Logan had the ultimate card to play on him. So I think Kendall getting out from under that, um, was also, it, it was a little bit of a cliffhanger, but it also left me with Kendall in like a nicer place than I feel like I felt for him in previous yeah. seasons where I'm like, yeah, you just did get, you just lost again, but now we know that at least Shiv and Roman are there. Yeah. Like, like it happened to all of them at the same time for once, instead of it only happening to one of them. And then like the division begins again type of thing. I do think killing off Kendall would have been a really bold and impressive move if they had done it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Kendall may still die this season. We, who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I didn't think that they would kill him off like that. That just felt like a little bit of a weird, like, because it was so vague. I was just like, uh, when we talked about it on the Sweet Smell of Succession podcast, me and Tara Ariana, I was like, I bet, you know, if I recall correctly, I was like, I think there's a significant chance next episode they're like, boy, he almost drowned in the pool, you know, like, and then (laughs) he's completely fine, which is kind of what happened. Totally. Um, It just felt weird. I don't think they would. It's just unlike the show to, like, kill off a character in such an ambiguous way like that, in my opinion, you know? Um, Yeah. But, uh, like, if if he's going to die, it's probably going to be, like, unambiguous, like, boom, he's dead, you know, like, gets hit by a truck and then he's dead, you know, like. (laughs) uh so yeah so yeah um but the what let's point out something the show has done really well which is season one obviously kendall's actions uh helped to lead to the death of this waiter at shiv's wedding i love how in this episode it's pointed out wow kendall really messed up shiv's wedding in multiple ways um (laughs) but uh so dark he he uh, his actions led to this, and then he had this thing hanging over him for the entire season two, like subsumed his whole will and personality to Logan. Um, and that is a really hard thing for a show to pay off in a satisfying fashion. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. 
to have this thing weighing, and it's like, how are you going to pay this off? Like, he's committed this horrible act, and then you're going to wait, like, basically two seasons to pay it off. Um, and I think the show did an awesome job. Like, that scene when he confesses to his siblings is amazing. And then the interaction between them is incredible. Like, the way Roman tries to, like, downplay... In a, we've all killed a kid. Yeah, we've all killed a kid. Like, the way Roman tries to d- play it off is, like, it's it's so, like, oh, that's exactly... When I watch that scene, I'm like, that's exactly what that character would mm-hmm. do in that situation. And there's a real satisfaction that you get from watching something like that play out on screen. Yeah. Um, so I thought they did a great job of that. Uh, and, like, that, that whole arc, that's a hard arc to do for any show. Yeah. Uh, I should point out that it's possible the arc is not done yet because... At the end of season three, we did hear that somebody's making a true crime podcast about that waiter that died. So uh, it's possible it will haunt Kendall in season four as well. We don't know. Um, but yeah, I, you know, if if you are rooting for Kendall slash the Roy children to to kind of team up together, I understand why season three and the ending of it might have been catnip for you. So yeah, that was me. Absolutely. Because I think I I think that I identified pretty early on and especially when I was rewatching I, I rewatched the first two seasons after seeing uh season three. And they really have seeded in this theme the entire time, which is that every time one of the kids gets close to like being successful, either within Waystar Royco or like outside of that it's almost always another sibling that helps Mm -hmm. mess Mm -hmm. it up. And usually that's happening at the direction of Logan. Like Logan has successfully in every situation, either reached out to Roman at the right time, reached out to Shiv at the right time, reached out for to Kendall at the right time and been able to like keep them fighting for the scraps. So that way none of them ever have the power to actually succeed him and actually Mm. take over. And so that was, it definitely really landed for me to see them all get on the same page, be more emotionally honest with one another than they've been at any point. I think previously, at least especially from Kendall's direction. And then, yeah, looking ahead into season four was when I was just like, what? Oh, I just, I mean, I just paused there. Like it is Shakespearean, you know, like yeah. that, that they all get together and then it's like, and then they are all betrayed. Like that's, that's, it's, yeah. it's tra- you're you're like excited i'm like getting sad hearing you talk about it because it's like i know you know but, but i'm yeah. like i feel i feel hopeful slash what i want out of season four is like i cannot bear to see that fall apart again mm. i'm like at least this time i, I want to see them get one thing done together all right. right because i truly believe that like that has been that like their kryptonite this entire time has been the constant division of Mm -hmm. desires. And Logan has done such a good job of manipulating them at all the right times to screw each other over. And I'm like, do not let him in your head. Like even the beginning of the freaking that's how really season three opens, right? The stupid box of donuts, cookies. What Mm -hmm. is it that Logan sends? Like they are so close to all being on the same page and like really nailing the crap out of like this DOJ investigation, the PR spin on it, like whatever. And then you just see all throughout season three, which I think again, to echo like some of like the frustrations was like, it fell apart so quickly at the start of season three that you were like, ah, not again. Like they're all just fighting. And then 
I got him back. And now I'm like, I swear to God, Jesse Armstrong and company, if you tear those siblings apart, like right away in season four, I'm going to be like, ah, no. I don't know. I don't know, Kim. Did did Gilligan ever get off the island? <laughs> is the question. This is the question. So, okay. Well, anyway, th- that's where we are with each character. There's still way more to discuss. Stick around. But before we get to that, I do just want to mention that this episode of Decoding TV is brought to you by Nissan. As a pioneer in the electric vehicle space, Nissan's always looking for ways to deliver new, meaningful technologies to EV owners. After all, Nissan's been making EVs since 1947, and their EVs have now traveled 8 billion miles by Nissan Leaf owners since 2010. 8 billion miles! That's almost as many dollars as the Roy family has. Um, that's the equivalent of driving to Pluto and back 8 billion miles. If you think that's electrifying, one of their EVs trekked all the way to the North Pole and Nissan even tests their EV technology on the Formula E racetrack. But Nissan knows you don't get an EV for just the E. You get a Nissan EV because it makes you feel electric. It sparks your imagination. It ignites something within you. It pins you to your seat and it takes your breath away. At least that's what Nissan thinks about when designing their EVs like the Nissan Aria and the Nissan Leaf. It's about creating a thrilling design that electrifies its customers. I love Nissan's focus on creating a thrilling drive and an electrifying life. In today's world, it's so important to look around you, to pay attention, to look for all the tiny ways that life can electrify you. And for me, that is, honestly, watching this final season of Succession, I am so excited. I love the dialogue. I love the chemistry. I love the machinations. uh, And I get really electrified when I am watching this show and talking about it here on the Decoding TV podcast. We're so thrilled to be talking about and recapping the show We hope you as listeners will join us for this whole journey. But uh, I do want to give a big shout out to Nissan. Thank them for sponsoring this episode of Decoding TV. Nissan EVs that electrify. All right, Kim. Before the fourth season begins, this is our opportunity to talk about what we want to see in this season. Because Jesse Armstrong has announced this will be the final season of the show. And here's the quote that he gave to the New Yorker when talking about deciding to end succession. He says, quote, it's been a bit tortured and I felt unexpectedly nervous about talking to you because it's all theoretical until this point. And I tried to keep it theoretical for a whole number of reasons. Who knows about the psychological reasons, but the creative ones were that it felt really useful to not make the final, final decision for ages. There's a promise in the title of succession. I've never thought this could go on forever. The end has always kind of been present in my mind. From season two, I've been trying to think, is it the next one or the one after that? Or is it the one after that? He's talking about seasons of the show. Yeah. I got together with a few of my fellow writers before we started the writing of season four in about November, December of 2021. And I sort of said, look, I think maybe this could be it. But what do you think? And we played out various scenarios. We could do a couple short seasons, two more seasons, or we could go on for ages and turn the show into something rather different and be a a more rangy, free-willing kind of fun show where there would be good weeks and bad weeks, or we could do something a bit more muscular and complete and go out sort of strong. And that was definitely always my preference. I went into the writing room for season four sort of saying, I think this is what we're doing, but let's also keep it open. I like operating the writing room by coming in with a sort of proposition and then being genuinely open to alternative ways of going. And the decision to end solidified through the writing. And even when we started filming, I said to the cast, I'm not 100% sure, but I think this is it because I didn't want to bullshit them either, end quote. That's an extremely verbose quote to basically say he struggled with whether or not to end it this season. But what I like about the quote is he's like, we could have gone on for years, but I was like, let's end strong. And I love that uh, impulse creatively, right? 
Yeah, agreed. Especially for a show that has done so much in three seasons already. You know, I think that there's there's there are so many layers to what's happening with every character in every moment. And they really, as you've said, and as we keep talking about, they really nail the writing in terms of like, you understand the emotional place every character's in at every moment and exactly what is pushing their buttons or making them feel good. And like, I think that getting that in concentrated seasons and like a, like one go out with a bang ending makes the most sense to honor that style of writing and density and thought that has gone into, to really building up all of these character arcs. Yeah. I mean, it, it, by the way, it's, it's pretty rare for, uh, a creator to come out on the record and talk about the final season like this in jet it happens sometimes but it's like most of the time you don't know until like eight episodes of the season or like the season has already started airing right and then it's like uh oh it didn't get renewed so it's like oh this will be the last season right but they have come out before the season's even started airing it's like this is it and mm-hmm. he he talked about it because it would impact how they the actors and everyone talk about it like in press and stuff like that. And he wanted it to be definitive. He didn't want people to say like, maybe we're going to come back. He just wanted everyone to know. Um, But it's kind of paradoxical because on the one hand, my guess, I have not seen all the episodes. My guess is it's going to end definitively. That's my guess, right? It's going Mm -hmm. to end. I don't think it's going to end with a cliffhanger is my guess. No. Um, But it also feels like they weren't sure if they were going to end it until like they were done, like in the filming or editing process. And they're like, yeah, this feels like the end. So it's probably going to be open-ended, is my guess. It's probably going to be like an ending where like it could have continued, but there's no cliffhanger. That's kind of my guess. Right. Or, yeah, that ra- it, like it raises so many questions in my head about like, right, well, then yeah. how... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to put out too many guesses because, yeah, I don't... I could it's just it you're right that it it feels unique to hear a TV creator talk about a simultaneous uncertainty yes. and, cer- and certainty. Yes. And certainly that's right. That's right. In right. how they're ending a show. Yeah, because usually it's like, like usually- it's like I had a specific ending in mind and we are driving towards it for the last four seasons with right. you know with like, this Like didn't know yeah. how I was going to get there but, yeah, but we knew- just we realized that this was now the time or like we sat down to write the season and I, you know, we ended that final episode and I said, boom, that's it. Like the fact that they were still filming and he was like still, you know, yeah. in that slight decision-making mode means to me that there is something interesting. And yes, like you said, not like hyper definitive, but also it can't possibly be t- so broad and open-ended <laughs> that it's yeah. not going to be satisfying. So I'm yeah, just, I'm yeah. incredibly curious. It, it's, it's weird. And you know, I think probably what's also playing a part is um, succession is a very expensive show, you know, like mm. they, they need to simulate wealth and that is expensive to see. Si- it's not as expensive as being wealthy, but <laughs> is it's expensive to simulate wealth. And so, and, uh, and it's not that popular of a show. Like, it's very big in your and mine circles, Kim. Yeah. But it's not a show that like everyone lists, everyone watches or, you know, it's not as big as The Last of Us or anything like that. Like a couple million people watch it every week kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's basically, I bring it up because it's an, it's an atypical way of talking about how the show ends, right? It's yeah. like, uh, you, you put it well, it's like simultaneous uncertainty and certainty. Um, so with that said, with that said, 
let's talk about some things we want to see in the final season. My big thing about the the show as a whole is I am really sad about what they did with the character of Shiv Roy, in my opinion. Like, um, if you go back to season one of the show, it's like a completely unrecognizable character. Like, it's like not even the same person. Literally, the way she dresses mm-hmm. and like her does her hair is like, is like all different than what she ends up being. The Shiv Roy from season one was a rejection of everything that the Roy stood for, right? Like, she was going to be uh, working for a Bernie type. She, uh, Bernie, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders type. She, like, didn't want to go into news. She wanted to be, you know, she wanted to be in politics. And, she, you know, she had a whole career separate from what the Kendall and Roman and, and Logan were doing. Uh, at some point, they decided, the show creators decided, hey, like, Sarah Snook is awesome, which I agree. Like, I'll, I will watch a movie that is bad. Just because Sarah Snook is in it, like I'm a big Sarah Snook fan, okay. Mm-hmm. And I did watch, I did watch one recently, a Sundance. <laughs> um, uh, no, the movie was fine; it wasn't bad. But, um, and uh, so they're like, but they they wanted to get her into the mix, right? And they're like, okay, we want to get Shiv Roy into the mix, um, because it's like she's like such a compelling actor. It's more interesting if she's in the mix. Um, but in my opinion, she has been largely ineffectual. Like she's had mm. a couple of wins. Um, season uh, season three, episode five, for instance, she stopped the company from getting uh, taken over. That was a big one. But largely, most of her stuff has been like her trying and failing to do things, and that's been a double disappointment. Because first of all, it's like, oh, probably the more interesting version of this character was when she was like rejecting the family values and doing her own thing. But then it's like, okay, well, eventually, if she comes in, I want to see her be a fucking killer and, mm. like, annihilate people left and right. And she's just like, no one respects her. Like, everyone's disrespecting her all the time. And so she's had a couple wins. It's not like she's completely a disaster. But um, I'm like, wow, that would be so interesting if, like, Shiv was a killer. Like, if Shiv was yeah. actually, like, you know, she came in and she was actually extremely good at everything. Like, that would have been interesting that's what i want for that character yeah and that's not what played out so i am kind of curious like is shiv roy going to be any more effectual in season four i hope she is because like i've largely been disappointed with her arc in season two and three okay kim your thoughts on shiv roy i see it's funny i don't disagree with too like, much of what you just factually, said. Factually, you think what I've said is correct, right? But well, it's that it's that I think that that's a feature of her arc, mm-hmm, not a mm-hmm. bug, because I agree that the Shivroy in the early episodes is very different. But I think that that the first of all, I I think that yes, she did seem to be contrarian and i think that i identified with her a lot in those early episodes because i was like heck yeah black sheep of the family like going to fight for human rights and things like that is the right way to use your wealth (laughs) yeah um she's like the uh what is it the uh that that disney relative uh, is it abigail, uh, disney. abigail disney right she's like yeah. the abigail disney of the roy family basically right yeah well she could have been but i <laughs> But I, yeah. I think that I think it felt very intentional that once the opportunity presented itself, she abandoned a lot of those like 
Yeah, I, that, sort that, part, of... that part I didn't mind. I didn't. I didn't mind her abandoning. And like, it's like, oh, it, season two, episode one. Like, Logan offers her the kingdom. Like, that's like, oh, amazing moment. And then what I want to see is her like going in and just crushing. Um, right. But instead, but, she's like flummoxed at every turn. Anyway, go ahead. But I yes. think. But I think that that is that is what white men do to white women in mm-hmm. systems of power, right? Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. give them just enough sense of agency and involvement that they're obedient and they do what you want, but then you don't actually respect them and you're not mm-hmm. actually giving them a voice at the table and you're not actually utilizing their skills and their input. I think that we saw Shiv realize that what Logan was offering her was not actual power, was not actual successorship, right. but was we need another woman to take the fall for things and or weaponize her own womanhood against the accusers. Like that was where I fully like, that was where Shiv really broke my heart was in season two when like she, when she went on behalf of her dad to like the witnesses and stuff to talks this with this key witness out of testifying before Congress. Yeah. And so I think I agree that I, I want to see Shiv stand in her own power a little bit more and yet Mm -hmm. i also know that like her version of power or like what she's been conditioned to think is power is just as twisted and messed up as the the men in her family that she's been surrounded by her whole life and so like yeah i i i think i agree that it's been hard to watch shiv be ineffectual for so long yeah but I don't I don't see that as like oh they didn't know what to do with her character. Mm-hmm. I think it's we're we're giving you a very painful up close view of like this woman floundering to try to get power in a system that is just not going to ultimately actually give it to her and then yeah. she turns yeah. around and beats up on Tom because mm-hmm. she like that's her biggest proximity mm-hmm. to power is subjugating him and then we see how horribly that goes also so it's like yeah 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 that's that's fair that's fair i guess um i mean if you go back to season one it's like literally unrecognizable well, not literally but like pretty unrecognizable the character like there's yeah. actually she, that confrontation she, she has with logan where he he almost like threatens her life in that scene and it's like the idea that she would go from that to like taking plausibly thinking she could take over the company like three episodes later you know it's just like it just feels like they had really different ideas that that's that's my beef with it is like it feels like they had really different ideas for that character they changed their mind which is fine but then it's like you know it's like oh we went from like this what i in my opinion was like a formidable credible force in season one to like kind of ineffectual in seasons two and three but Mm -hmm. so we'll see where the chivalry thing is going um yeah see if she can get some of her yeah Great Get points. a little bit of her mojo back. Yeah, about like her her being foiled as a, a feature and not a bug. Mm-hmm. Roman. Uh, <laughs> a lot of untied up loose ends with Roman, right? This this season. I think like we're all we were all very excited about the Roman Jerry relationship as being like a an unconventional relationship in many ways, uh on, on screen. Um but Roman has also changed a lot since episode one, specifically having a fucking wife and daughter. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, speaking <laughs> of decisions that were made after things had already been filmed. Ro- yeah, Roman what? had a wife and daughter in episode one of the show who are basically never mentioned again. Um, 
and it's like wow uh <laughs> I, right, they, like, they, yeah, yeah go ahead father father roman is yeah. not uh <laughs> i mean it's there there are very there's there's very like few examples that are that flagrant in tv you know like i remember um in west wing do you ever watch the west wing no in season one there was this pr consultant named mandy and uh she was kind of like an annoying character and literally season two begins and she's gone and there is no explanation at all. Like there's no, no one's like, Hey Mandy went off to go to the farm up upstate, like nothing. And so it's just like, it's a similar thing where like Roman is introduced with a kid in episode one of the show. And it's like, okay, well we're never going to talk about that again. But I think in this case, the showrunners made the right decision. He is more interesting kind of on his own with his own issues to deal with. Yeah, but is, is there anything you want to see the show tie up when it comes to Roman? Yeah, I think some like his love life is has just been one big like chaotic yeah. open book so far. So I want yeah. them to land that ship somehow. Uh, what would be a good land? What, what would be a good landing? I mean, what was? It? I felt like season three already landed the ship because basically his uh, his tendencies have come to light for his dad. Yeah, and his dad is a very uh, old school. Like men should have sex with women that are their age or way younger than them. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know? that old. Moral, and he's, and he's like, boundary. but you know what I'm saying? Like he's like he's very like you know I I don't want you to be like some kind of sicko like and yeah. he and his dad have that kind of and and it's like it, it felt to me like oh his Roman's sexual proclivities have come to light. His dad has like kind of battened them down in a way that's obviously very unhealthy and um, very toxic for his child. Um, but I don't know where else they have to go with that storyline. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think like, I guess Roman, like being out and proud as somebody who likes to, you know, <laughs> date women decades Sorry, older not, than him. I'm not like, helping you with that. Yeah, I'm just like I, like what but that's what I'm saying is like what 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 is the what is the resolution? You know, I don't I don't know where else I could go. I mean, it's like I so one thought that I have which thank you to the many fan cam editors of TikTok for illuminating this theme for me, but I've seen TikToks that show that Romans Romans big motif is dogs, right? Like <laughs> Have you noticed this? No. So like Jerry calls him a slime puppy is like mm. one of the most like, yeah. you know, earwormy nicknames. There's the whole bit where he recalls being forced into a cage and like eating dog oh, food by his yeah. siblings at one point. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a quote from Connor where he says something about Logan of like, my dad never like, or no, his mom, their mom says that they couldn't have a dog because Logan never saw something like that he couldn't kick just to see if it came running back type mm, of thing. Mm. And that like Roman to me is like a little, he's like the baby of the family. Well, it was Logan. She was, he was talking about, about kicking yes. something. Yeah. That was yes, Logan. Yeah, sorry. Okay, yep. yeah. But then it's like, 
I don't, you just see so many parallels with the way that Logan treats Roman mm-hmm. and the way that Roman behaves that have this like very like dog motif throughout them. So I'm like, okay, what's the old, what's the happiest ending for a dog is like a safe forever home. So I'm like, who is Roman? I need, like, I think that like the, the closure is like, who's going to take ownership mm-hmm. of Roman and mm-hmm. genuinely just keep him safe and not flailing for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And so like, Jerry would seem a little bit too on the nose for that to actually happen. I thought, I don't know if they're going to try to bring back Tabitha because she was like pretty central there with Roman for a while. And then she just sort of vanished and they've sort of kept the other love interesty people. Yeah. Like mentioned. I mean, just like you said with me, Kim, I think I I disagree with your premise that any of these characters are going to get a happy ending, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you're fair. saying that's what you would like that's what you would like you know and that's, that's what fair. the closure would look like right that's what the closure would look like. okay that's very fair that's very correct well said well said but um and to be clear i'm very, i'm very sex positive whatever roman wants roman ideally you know every human deserves you know whatever they want i'm just saying like right i'm just saying it's clear that that's not what his dad thinks. That's all I was saying, Kim. Okay. I no, was, no, I, was I know that. My opinions. <laughs> no, I know that. I was trying. Yeah. It's hard to put into words because Roman has this weird thing where, like, especially again, just really quickly, like the whole Tabitha thing. Like, they were very explicit about him not having actual sex. Yeah, with not Tabitha having ever. Not having, con- not having conventional penetrative sex is right. how I would describe it. Right. So, like that. He, yeah. There's an intimacy thing there for him of actual physical intimacy and instead the jerry thing turned into like a psychological kink mm-hmm. thing that yeah. was never physically consummated so i'm like either he's gonna finally physically become intimate with someone maybe that would be the wholesome closure slash just just roman roy having like a vanilla sexual encounter <laughs> <laughs> well you know yeah uh f- fair enough i think we've we've covered this topic to yeah. a good amount so uh Speaking of plot lines that were completely jettisoned in episode one, from episode one, um, I think the show has never figured out what to do with Marsha as a character. Mm, you know, like totally. Marsha was theoretically like on the verge of like trying to take over the company in episode one of the show, season one, episode one, and then she kind of like went away, and then she's like maybe she's going to come back in season three, and like they they make a big introduction for Marsha. Marsha's coming back in season three. She's going to be by Logan's side for this big thing. And then like basically vanishes for 80% of season three. Yeah. And so I don't know what happened there, Kim. Like maybe like Haim Abbas's schedule didn't work out with what they tried to do. Maybe they were like pandemic things. Yeah. Pandemics. Maybe they wrote and they're like, actually, this is boring. Like the Marsha taking over stuff doesn't make any sense. You know, remember Marsha's son was going to be a big player in the thing too. So. You know, I'm curious if Marsha's going to get any resolution in season four, but it does feel like they had ideas that just never came to fruition for Marsha. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. And then uh, let's just talk about Kendall real real quick. Like, what do we what do we wish for Kendall, like, in this final season of the show? Because in my opinion, he's the main character of the show. Um, you know, what, where, what do you think? Where do you think this is headed? with Kendall and Logan and all, all the stuff that's happened and, and Jesse Armstrong's cryptic remarks about how the term succession as the title is a promise that must be kept. I, I, it feels to me like it would, like, I don't know. It almost feels too on the nose that Kendall actually succeeds. Right. 
his father, right? Yeah. yeah. That's where this whole thing that, started. It doesn't feel doesn't feel satisfying to me. Like I don't know if I would feel satisfied. Now maybe they'll figure out a way to make it satisfying, but like Yeah. When you say that idea, my my body recoils. I'm like, I don't that doesn't feel like a good ending to me, right? Right. Uh and I part of me thinks that it a, a good ending would be somehow tied to his public image. Cause that's mm-hmm. another big piece of his arc is that he's been like really fighting against what the media mm-hmm. writes about him mm-hmm. versus like what he's actually doing within the company versus what they're writing about his father. Like he's always been like hyper focused on his public image and like getting some sort of redemption tour. And it's interesting that, by design we don't really see the outside of that very often like we don't see a ton of people actually talking about what they think of kendall roy but like you know i just think of him like walking up to his like faux met gala thing being like fuck the patriarchy and like good tweet bad tweet and like all of these things where i'm like i want i feel like a satisfying thing for him would be to see him feel some satisfaction out of like what his public image is now like does he get some sort of exfoliation of all the bad mm-hmm. stuff does the server story come out and similar to the way it went with his siblings it doesn't go as horribly as he's imagining in his, in his head that everybody finds out about this thing mm-hmm. i feel like there i feel like there has to be some tie-in between his public image and this server the, yeah, the you, waiter you think, dying you think the waiter arc. dying thing like that still there's still some things to play out left with that yeah story. i don't yeah. i don't feel totally closed on that yeah i think i think that's right and again they introduced that true crime podcast idea right last season um kendall's relationship with the media was a big subplot of last season so it's possible that's going to come back in a big way um but yeah what would the satisfying ending be for kendall um you know, in season three, he tried to get out. He tried to like sell his share, and and I actually think like that level. What would be what would be a great ending for Kendall is to not want the things that Kendall wants. Yeah, in, in my opinion, right? Like, yeah. can he achieve? You know, he wants to. He's always struggled to live. <laughs> you ever see Inception? I did. The ending of the ending of Inception. He's like uh, Pete Postlethwaite talking with. Uh, Killian Murphy he's like mm-hmm. you know like I'm not sad that you couldn't live up to to me I'm sad that you tried you know and it's like <laughs> it's like if Kendall yeah. I'm paraphrasing you know but if Kendall no, like, were to stop trying you know like yeah that would be the success for him is, is for him to realize like he doesn't need to be a tryhard yeah um, and, and that and, in fact like his life he's he's maybe been ruining his own life yeah for a dream that his dad put in his head right yeah that he didn't actually want look at us inception that logan that is totally logan on his deathbed in some fantasy version of <laughs> in, a, in a fantasy version yeah, in, a in a fantasy, fantasy version yeah, of kendall's yeah. dreams the pinwheel yeah uh the other thing is like i am curious how they're going to play with uh if logan's health is going to come into play mm. the first scene of the first episode of succession is Logan Roy getting up in the middle of the night and peeing into a corner because he can't figure out where the hell he is. And it's like, and then he obviously has like a stroke, I think it is. And, um, and you know, he's come and gone, like his health has come and gone. He had, um, a UTI in, in season three that caused him to be really non lucid. And so it's like, um, 
you know, is is like the succession going to happen because Logan dies? I do, you know, who knows? I I think the show the, the the problem for me is the show has played around with it so the the show has danced with Logan dying so many times that I'm just like I I, I honestly think if they were going to kill him off they, they should have killed him off sooner but I think they just were like yeah. we like the dynamic uh because you you can only draw out that storyline for so long. Yeah. Although I guess I don't know Breaking Bad did it for 5.5 seasons so like may, maybe um you know maybe uh this show can do it too but I am basically that's a big question mark for me too is like where will will Logan's Roy Logan Roy's health come into play will that be what causes the succession that may or may not happen at the end of the season uh we will see all right Kim so those are those are some things we are we are hoping to see tied up I want like my big thing is like yeah Shiv I want her to get, get a, a satisfying win. yeah get a win get a satisfying arc demonstrate who she really is um Kendall, we want to see him stop trying as hard. Uh, Roman, we want to see uh, him taking care of... A good forever home. A good forever home. <laughs> good forever home for Roman. And um, and uh, Logan, uh, we'll see like what ending he gets. Um, is he going to live or die? Uh, I don't think he's going to be happy, no matter what happens. You know? Um, but yeah. He's, he's guaranteed that for himself. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Anything else, Kim? No. I'm so excited to dive into this season with you. As am I. As am I. Uh, And we hope you'll join us, folks. And, of course, you can always find more episodes of the show at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. The way this is going to work, if everything goes according to plan, is on Sunday nights, uh, right after the episode airs, decodingtv.com paid members will get the recap episode uh, right away, right after the episode ends. Uh, and the episode should come out for everyone like uh, the Monday afterwards. If you are a paid member at decodingtv.com, you are helping to support this podcast, making sure it keeps going, and uh, you are getting ad-free episodes as well as early access. So thanks to all of our paid decodingtv.com members for making this show possible. And of course, we, as I mentioned, we definitely want to hear from you. Decodingtv at gmail.com. Let us know what you're looking forward to. Let us know what you agreed with, what you disagreed with. Um, and uh, until Sunday night for Decoding TV members, Monday for regular members of the Decoding TV family, we will see you later with our recap of season four, episode one of Succession. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>